0: What I notice is that my average entrepreneurs, the ones that are successful, think about revenue. Some of my really good ones think in terms of profit, but the really the ones who stand out head and shoulders above the rest have a wealth mentality. That they are doing work to create wealth, not just to grow rev.
1: Welcome to the Four Fires podcast where we talk about winning in
0: all four of the essential areas of life. Well, welcome to another episode of the Four Fires Podcast. This is Alan Kemper again, and I am here with Justin Lambert. And today uh, we are going to unpack wealth building mentality. So, welcome again, Justin. Thanks for having me again. So, Justin, give people who, who may not know you just a little bit of your current state in life and, so that we have context for the conversation that we're about to have.
1: So, currently in life, uh, I have been sort of on the sidelines or semi retired from several businesses that we've started for about five years. And I have enjoyed the time that I've been getting to spend with my little girls. And they have just started school. My youngest started kindergarten yesterday. So this is my first time where I have been uh, without a lunch buddy or somebody to hang around the house with me. Um, and, and get to spend time with, so I've I got a little bored and decided to come up here and talk to you guys. <laughs> so thanks for helping me uh, fill my day, I pass, the time, I pass the time without thinking about my little buddies that I'm missing. I kind of took the approach of I always feel like we have it backwards, and when we think about retirement and things like that, and you know, taking breaks and stuff like that. Because you watch so many of your either parents or grandparents go through this, I'm going to work for 40 years and then I'm going to retire. And they retire at 65, 70 years old and they either their health's not there or they're not able to do some of the things that they really wanted to do in retirement, you know, go big game hunting in Montana or things, you know, things like that. Um, or extravagant, you know, trips and things. So that was sort of my approach when I became somewhat successful financially in some of our, you know, business ventures. Is I wanted to spend that time with my girls. I have I have two girls. A, a, currently, a seven year old and a five year old. One's in second grade. And one just started kindergarten. And I got to spend the first five years, seven years of their life with them every day, basically being around them at home if I wanted to, or you know, uh, going on trips or basically exposing them to things that I, you know, I felt like would be good for their their childhood. And so that's kind of where, you know, I decided to take my professional fires just sort of, you know, I've done well financially, so I just wanted to sort of put that on hold and a- allow myself to sort of learn to, you know, build wealth without actually being an, an operator mm-hmm. and and been to have been able to do that. Uh, while you know sort of semi-retiring so that's kind of you know where I am in, in today's yeah
0: so it's been fun for me to watch because uh five years ago kind of hard to believe but I remember we were coming up with a plan for mm-hmm. you to transition out of the operations of one of your first companies but and we used your daughter's birth as kind of the, that was the breaking the, point. The moment we said, hey, yep. you're going to take some paternity leave to yep. just kind of step away and see how it goes.
1: We severed the proverbial umbilical cord at the same time exactly that we did right. the and literal one. And never came back, right? And I never I mean, came was, back. Yeah, that's exactly so, right.
0: Um, so that was a, that was a neat season, and it's been fun to get to watch you shift into—we talk about in our professional fire, you know, you have your craft and your ability to convert your craft into cash. Correct. And I think early on, you— You were all in on, you got very good early in life at understanding strategy and systems and recognizing opportunity and then digging in. Like, I mean, like a lot of, you're a high energy person, you're a risk taker, not afraid to go hire someone, throw them at a problem. I think you figured that piece out pretty early. Let's see, how old are you now? Uh, 39. Okay, so when you were 34... Mm-hmm. and stepped away from the businesses full-time, I do feel like there was a shift in your your craft. Like Agreed you said, completely. Was, you, you, you went from being the operator to the owner, and that may be a conversation for another another podcast. Yeah, that sounds like a good one, actually. Yeah, um, the shift from operator to owner. But what I'd really like to talk to you about is, and we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, I've had an opportunity to coach a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who have had, who are running really, really large organizations, who've had a lot of professional success. I noticed some difference in how entrepreneurs think. And I'll, I'll frame it this way. I was once asked the question, this is actually when I was still a college professor, I got asked this question hey, Alan, what do you notice about the people that you coach? What's the difference in the good ones and the great ones? And, I, and what came out of my mouth was what I noticed is that my average entrepreneurs, the ones that are successful, think about revenue. Some of my really good ones think in terms of profit, but the really the ones who stand out head and shoulders above the rest have a wealth mentality that they are doing work to create wealth not just to grow rev and i think that's something that you entered into your business pretty early on whether you knew it or not right that was a that was part of your initial goal so you want to unpack that for us a little bit and where did that come from and what do, what do you think i mean when i'm i'm talking about building wealth
1: right so for me early on when i was Going through childhood, I guess one of the things that I remember my dad always talking about was and in sort of his goal it was like he always wanted to get to a certain number in his investment accounts or whatever like i want <clears throat> eventually I want to be able to make two million dollars so that, or have two million dollars in an account so that I can earn five percent interest a year off that and it 'd be one hundred thousand dollars that I could use every single year mm-hmm. as my like salary. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at the time, you know, he probably didn't have $100,000 in his account, but his goal was to try to get to $2 million because he wanted to get to a 5% number mm-hmm. that he would be okay with for basically his salary. It's, it's the same way you look at retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to get this much money in an account so that one day it can s- spit out this much money every single year for the rest of my life. That's mm-hmm. sort of the way people look at retirement. And... You know, that that's sort of the same approach that I felt like was in my mind all the time. My number was a little bit yeah. <laughs> big, big bigger. I was a little more ambitious. And earlier. Um, and earlier. You wanted to get it done earlier. Earlier, that's yes, right. Uh, it's this this the SMART goal thing, mm-hmm. you know, specific, time measurable. Bound. Exactly, I wanted a time-bound. And mm-hmm. I like putting that pressure on myself to make it a tight window because I feel like I operate better mm-hmm. under pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think, it you know, being under pressure also makes you have to come out of your comfort zone a little more. Whereas if you're, if you're, if you give yourself to your 70 years old, when you're 30, you're not really concerned about it, Mm -hmm. you know, or if you're 25, you're not that concerned about hitting that number when you turn 70. Oh, it'll come.
0: Right. It'll come.
1: But if you, if you're 25 and you say, I want to hit that number by the time I'm 35, you know, that channel's a different thought process and a, you know, a different um, set of stages for how you're going to get this done and what that looks like over a, you know, one, two, five year period. When I, when I talk to entrepreneurs, a lot of times it's, a lot of times it's, I want to know why you're doing this. You mm-hmm. know, wh- why, are, why, why do, why did I sell women's clothes online? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was one of our companies. And it wasn't that I had this appreciation for women's clothes. Like mm-hmm. I was, have never been into, you know, fashion much, but for me, it was I wanted to build wealth. I want I wanted to get to this this number in this account. I I wanted to you know um, put myself in a position that I would be able to hit these goals in the time frame that I wanted to hit them in. Yeah, and and sort of that's that's sort of the mentality that led me to to start looking at it a little bit differently and and why I got into what I was getting into because when you ask entrepreneurs why are they why are, why do you go out and start your own business because you want to do million in revenue, Mm -hmm. or because you want to make a million dollars and take home a million dollars, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, do you want to take home a million dollars, and the government's going to get 400, and you're going to be left with 600, so you really want to take home six? You know, it's like that, you start to get down to what are you really trying to, what are you really trying to accomplish here? And so that's usually my first question is, why are you doing this?
0: So when you ask people that question, Mm -hmm. I think there's that answer, that implicit, okay, I want to make I want to make money. Mm -hmm. But if it stops there, Mm -hmm. I think the implication is I want to make and spend money Mm -hmm. simultaneously. For sure. And that's different than wealth creation. So you were in your 30s and you started making some money. And then there's this temptation to spend some money. And what is the process? Because I think that there are some people who go out there and they they are building companies Mm -hmm. or they are advancing in their careers. And then their lifestyle advances, advances proportionally to their income. And that's different. That, yes, you are earning more money. You might go from earning $100,000 a year to a million dollars a year. Right. But if your expenses, if your lifestyle goes from $100,000 a year to a million dollars a year, you did not build wealth. That's exactly right. You just built lifestyle. Correct. And so, what is required, like, so, what do you have to give up for wealth Yes, yeah,
1: so, so one of the best pieces of, of advice that I ever got when I was in college was from, from a professor that told us, some of the best financial advice he could give us is to live the first year of your life out of college like you did while you're in college. Mm. And I was like, you know, I got to thinking about that, and, you know, in college, you're just, you're not making any money, really, unless you get a part-time job or co-op program like we did or whatever, but... At the same time, you're, 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 you have a microscope on your expenses pretty much. You know, you're, you're living as cheap as you possibly can live, and, you know, you're having to pay tuition and things like that. Well, all of a sudden, when you get out of school, you turn around and you start making $50,000 or $100,000 or something like that, and you're still, if you, if you can still spend the same amount that you were spending and keep that, those expenses under that microscope, there's a big chunk of money now that you are going to accumulate in that 12-month period of time. Yeah. And that that can have with compounding interest, that can have just a, a phenomenal effect on your life 10 years from now. The the problem that I see because we hired a bunch of undergrad or graduates, recent graduates, the problem I see that they that that they experience is it's like you said, their expenses are in a direct correlation to their income. Mm-hmm. And if you can make your income, the rate of your income increase, is, that rate is much higher than your rate that your expenses increase. Those two One line's kind of flat on expenses, and one line is sort of going up at a 45-degree angle on your income. And the difference between those two lines, the further you go, gets bigger bigger and bigger. And to me that's sort of the the first step in putting yourself in a position to start generating wealth mm. versus just income expenses and just maintaining these these lifestyles that you have. That 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 was a really big piece for me to like set the tone because if you can apply that same logic of I want to live the first year of my life Um, out of school that I did while I was in school, do that every time you get a promotion. Do that every time your salary goes up or do that every time you change jobs and and increase your income. Do that every time your company goes from a million dollars to five million dollars or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know, if you can maintain that current lifestyle, your expenses are pretty much flat, but your income is now jumping up at levels that's outpacing your increase in expenses. A lot of people try to keep up with the Joneses way too early mm-hmm. and I feel like it you know Joneses have it you know they, they got generational wealth you know yeah. <laughs> and that was that was sort of my goal too was to was to build was to build generational wealth where I could take care of those that come after me mm-hmm. and that sort of be my gift to them to know that I had an influence or or played a part in their life yeah. um, and their in their their lifestyle
0: Another podcast topic entirely will be uh, how do we make sure we don't wreck our children with wealth.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Like, mm-hmm. um, so some of it is this delayed gratification, right? This ability to say, I know I could. There's a, there was a, an experiment that they did, the marshmallow test. Have you ever heard about this? Mm-mm. So the Stanford University professor did this test where he took these four-year-olds and put them in the room and said, hey, here's a marshmallow. It's on the table. You can eat it if you want to. I'll be back in a few minutes. Oh, I've seen not do this with kids. Yeah, I'll be back in a few minutes. And the marshmallows still Now, you can eat that marshmallow if you want. But if, if you wait until I get back, and it was an undisclosed amount of time. Right. Like, yep. If you wait until I get back, you can have two marshmallows. And so they, they looked at these kids, and, and some large percentage of them just ate the marshmallow. Right. But some of them were able to, like— restrain themselves and they ended up with two marshmallows they studied these kids later at high school graduation wow and what they found out is that they had higher sat scores they had lower b- bmi body wow. weight they had lower uh, lower anxiety uh, lower instances of drug abuse And so the the principle was, is can you teach your children delayed gratification early on? The ability to not just do what feels good in the moment, whether that's eating a marshmallow or whether that's buying a new car. That's right. So the adult versions of that are a little more socially acceptable. You're right. Um, So we really have to think about what do I need to say not now to not no Right. Not now. But not now. Yep. Did you have any systems in place or any ways of thinking? Like, Did you ever say, all right, I want my income to grow more than my expenses, so I'm only ever going to have my expenses be X portion of my income? Or did you say, I'm going to reward myself with some kind of car or a new house when did you have ratios, or, or are you just already kind of wired for that delayed gratification?
1: I never had like, and and it's funny because I'm always a numbers guy. I'm always the engineer, math, data, mm. science, love it all. I never really like set up a budget for myself mm. where I knew like it was seventy five dollars for the power bill. It was a hundred. I always did it in totals, where it's like. You know, I know I need two thousand dollars this month to carry all these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and then and then it's well, if I can make sure that my checking account is is outrunning that two thousand dollars, the the more I can let the checking account out, outrun it, I know that it's just two grand, two grand, two grand, two grand, two grand every month from now. But mm-hmm. if the checking account if it gets to be four thousand and six thousand and seven thousand, like I'm starting to build, you know, these nest eggs. Um that then i can you know try to try to do something with. Mm-hmm. And that's you know it's it's funny because the nest egg that i built prior to starting my companies i actually used that nest egg to mm-hmm. start my company. Mm-hmm. I love um, that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you know it's it's not necessarily this, this whole model of you know save 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 invest put it in put it in an investment account put it in an investment account but i, I truly believe that doing something now can help you really do something big later. Yeah, and I've always had that big goal in mind. I mean, back in the day, my number used to be, you know, five million dollars is what I I want. What I want my number to be because at five percent interest, I can make two hundred fifty grand for the rest of my life and live the lifestyle I want, and never, never have to worry about it. Yep. And so I I feel like that's always a good idea is to figure out what it is that you want because a lot of people I talk to, you ask me about, you know, asking that first question. A lot of people I talk to, they'll say financial freedom. Mm hmm. Okay, well, I drill down. I fight back when they say that because, mm-hmm. to me, that's different for everybody. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what, do you, what kind of lifestyle are you trying to live to be financially free? Mm-hmm. You know, Because you can get in a really small house and no car payments and stuff like that, and you, you, can, you can make $80,000 a year mm-hmm. and be financially free. Yep. But you're saying that you want to continue the current lifestyle that you have where you're spending $150,000 a year. And you're making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you know. You're trying to, you're trying to continue that lifestyle, and you want to be financial free. Okay, what does that look like, you know? Um, and so, to me, anybody that says financial freedom, they've got to drill down and figure out. Better
0: quantify. that. They got to
1: quantify that. Mm-hmm. What does that number look like? Because in doing the ruck, you know, we do the mentor stuff, and I actually mm-hmm. was kind of humbled that a couple of guys asked me to be their mentor, and that was one of the first exercises that we did was. Yeah. What, is, what does that really look like? You know, mm-hmm. we spend this much money. Or I want a boat, mm-hmm. you know. I want a little farm for me and my kids mm-hmm. to go play on. All right, well that, there's a number there. Mm-hmm. What does that look like, you know. And back your way down. And then it was, it was neat to see that w- one of the guys I was doing this with was, I'm going to say this number, and I'm going to say only $6,000 a month away from what he wanted. Which, in the grand scheme of things, of what he was doing, is not that far away. Mm-hmm. So it was it was encouraging for him to do that exercise because he realized that he's not that far from the lifestyle or the financial freedom that he really wants. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then all of a sudden it becomes, well, how do you make an extra seventy two thousand dollars a year? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and for some for some people that would be harder than others, but you know, in his situation, I feel like he's a lot closer than he thinks. And that was exciting for him, yeah. you know, that he is that close and that, you know, he, that he could do this kind of thing. So I feel like that financial freedom answer, you know, for a lot of guys, that's usually the answer So, I want financial freedom. And what does that look like? I want the ability to do what, you yeah. know. I want to be able to, to decide when I go to work or when I don't want to go to work or I don't want to go to work at all or mm-hmm. I want to be able to go on these trips or do these things. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's if, – if that's usually your answer – then there's some there's some deeper reasons behind that financial freedom
0: but even in that like i mean it's a i want to have an additional x amount of dollars per month exactly is Ex- not the same unless you're saying and it's coming from a sustainable source source for sure again it's easy to think about revenue mm-hmm. it's a little harder to think about profit i know a lot of business owners i was guilty of that for a long time chasing rev yep and not not as clear on I mean I talked to a business owner the other day and he was like I said, You have thirty accounts. Do you know which ones are profitable? Like he had no idea. He was losing it turns out we did an analysis of it. He he was losing money on three of his largest accounts. Right. And we were like why don't you fire them? Well, because then my rev will go down right, like, but your take home money, money that's, right. that's higher. Right.
1: you can be yeah, you can do nineteen million dollars and lose money or we can do twelve and you can take home a million yeah which like, one do you want to do which one do you want right? that's right
0: so you don't want to just grow it for the sake of rev. That's right. So why
1: are you doing this? Yeah. I want to make money and take money home. Oh, okay, well then you can take the million dollar profit and twelve million rev versus nineteen million rev and zero profit. That's right. Are you
0: directionally correct? Exactly. What you're trying to do. I love that. But the the even I think the even more powerful number than hey I want to do the twelve million dollar company and the million dollar in rev is I want to do that for five years exactly and live off of a hundred thousand dollars and in five years. Have close to five million dollars in the bank, and then I'll keep doing this other thing, mm-hmm. and then maybe you live off the million dollar mm-hmm. a year in profit, but you got the five million. That's right, kicking off two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Yep. As, and you can decide as,
1: what you want to do with that. That's right. I want yeah. to kick it back into the five million bucket, or yeah. I'm going
0: to take it and siphon it off and do what I want to do with it. That's right. Mm-hmm. But there's there's uh creating some wealth stability early on, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a that's an important piece there's there's all kinds of maturing you know you ever you ever you meet a kid and you're like oh man that kid like it can walk up to like i met an eight-year-old the other day and he walked up to me and started asking me questions about my job and what i do and (laughs) and what i like about my job like i was having an adult (laughs) conversation with this eight-year-old yeah and i just was like wowed by his social maturity Mm -hmm. like i think there's all there's spiritual maturity there's all all of us this this four fires journey is about us growing Mm -hmm. i think there is a professional maturing that happens in most of us and i think one of the keys is this delayed gratification and the ability to quantify what we want and then go fight for it that's right so justin if you're talking to somebody i mean there's there's a there's a Broad range of people listening. Right. I mean, yep. there are people who are coming straight out of college here who are what I call the professional flailing stage. That's right, yeah. Like trying yeah. Figure, just trying to figure like grasp it out and figure it out. What am I even good at? And then there's some people who are at a stage in their life where they feel like maybe they're trapped because they've gone down this path and they had these aspirations for growing, living into a lifestyle with we'll start with the young person. Okay. What's your number one piece of advice for someone who wants to create wealth in their and they're in their early twenties? If you were their college professor, mm-hmm. knowing because your college professor doesn't know what you know now. That's right. What would you tell them to lean into?
1: So I read uh, I read a book one time and it talked about you can't get rich from a paycheck. The, the summary of the book is basically that it's very hard to be an employee for 40 years and get rich Mm -hmm. and if your goal is to get rich or to build wealth or whatever however you want to define that that is very very hard to do Mm -hmm. with an employee paycheck that you're that you're going to get and so but I also understand the reality of I've got to do something to pay bills I've got to be able to live And so I understand that that's, and that's usually the road everyone has to take. And that's sort of the road that I get frustrated with just society in general of, you know, we, we go through school and college and everything. We're, we're just breeding a bunch of people to get in line and get a job and, and work for other people. So my biggest thing is, is the earlier you can try to do a, either have a side hustle or to start your own business for as little money as possible, Mm. I cannot recommend doing that more than I mean that that would be the number one thing I would do is try to create a side hustle. I do not like the whole follow your passion thing. If you you know if you want to sell, if you're if you're a guy that's into hunting or sports or whatever you know, and it's like I want to go create a camouflage company and it's going to mm-hmm. take a hundred thousand dollars to develop all this. Stuff. Like no, like if you can go you know if you if you can just go sell anything, I sold women's clothes. Yeah. You know, it was like, what, what can I look at? That's, that's relatively inexpensive for me to get into. That doesn't cost me a lot of money to start up. That's high demand that has a broad customer base, you know, that, that I could, you know, market to. It's like, it's like I tell people all the time, I don't, I don't want the whole pie. I don't want a piece of the pie. I'll take the crumbs. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about the women's clothing industry, the, the crumbs, you can make a substantial living on. Yeah. You know, you can build extreme wealth with just the crumbs of a you know a market like that. So, um,
0: the so you're no- saying look for a business opportunity, not a hobby extension. Exactly.
1: Don't look for a hobby, look for a business opportunity. Look look for a place where you can convert a small amount of cash into a bigger amount of cash. Don't have to be a huge amount of cash. Mm-hmm. Just look for a way to double it. Look mm-hmm. for a way to, you know, you know three X is what we usually yeah. look for. And... Um, But when you're young like that, you've got the rest of your life to overcome any burden you put yourself or hole you put yourself into. And your expenses aren't near what they could be if you were married with kids and and house payments and car payments and all that kind of stuff. So the younger you are, the easier it is to try lots of things. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion – my advice would be: try as many things as fast as you can, and fail fast is a good mantra to live by. Mm-hmm. If it's not going to work, and you feel like you can't fight through it to make it work, let it go. Let it and go. On. Go into something else. Don't let your ego get in the way of a fail. Mark Cuban always says in business, you only have to be right once. You can fail a hundred times at a business or ninety-nine times, and the one time you're right, it could be a ten million dollar business that spits off two million dollars of profit every year for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, would you would you be able to look your friends in the face and say, "I failed ninety-nine times"? You know, yep. your community's looking at you, all oh, that guy's a failure, and then you're sitting up there with one winner, and you got more money than the rest of them, and they're going to work every single day, and you're living financially free and doing whatever it is you want to do. Yep. You know, so it's kind of like. I, I one of, another piece of advice is to let go of your ego mm. there is so much money to be made behind letting go of your ego i mean I'm a male mm-hmm. chemical engineering graduate that sold women's clothes mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i mean yep when you when you you know when you're around your buddies and everybody's talking about what you do well, I'm a lawyer and I'm a doctor and I'm a dentist, and what do you do? I sell women's clothes mm-hmm. you know that that feels like you know. That, that hammers on your ego a little bit. And then once you learn to just accept it, yep. like, there, you know, there's so much money to be made behind losing your ego. Interesting. Early on. Early on is to try as many things try, you can. Try
0: something try first. Try something first. Low
1: cost. That's right. Low cost. Um, something easy to get into. Something that, I mean, in my experience, something that's already in high demand or people that, it's like that that, that professor that did the, the study about the selling Bibles. Uh, the Columbia professor, he asked his class, he said, "What's easier? Who is easier to sell to? Someone that is uh, you're a Bible salesman and you've got to sell Bibles to these people. You sell it to these you sell it to this person that's bought twenty Bibles, or you sell it to the person that's never bought a Bible." And the majority of the class says, "Sell it to the guy that doesn't hasn't bought a Bible because he's never owned a Bible." Mm-hmm. Well, this person has a pattern mm. for buying Bibles. Interesting. So. Who now when you think about it like that is it easier to sell your product to someone that's never bought it before or is it easier to sell your product that has a habit of buying that product
0: Interesting
1: And so when you when you so sometimes when you think about it like that it makes a lot of sense to figure out you know you don't have to go find this one little bitty niche that is a product that you've got to educate people on to teach them about you know in my world we've learned to sell things that people have a habit of buying mm-hmm. and it makes it way easier Mm-hmm. To sell those things. So, so yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be for the young guy, for the for the guy just starting out. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So a little more complicated. hmm There's the guy or gal, they're in their forties. Mm-hmm. The the intent was, hey, I'm supposed to be further along than I am right now. Right. I got my education, I got a job. I'm looking at my professional fire and I don't see a way to build wealth. Mm-hmm. What do you think you do for somebody who's in their forties? They're probably more established in their craft. They mm-hmm. probably know what they're good at, but they haven't been able to map convert their craft into cash as well. Are mm-hmm. so they frustrated in that
1: space? So, it's, so it would honestly depend on what where the responsible, what kind of responsibilities they have. Are they married? Are they got kids? Are they got house payments, You know, like, yeah. I, the first thing I would do is is we're going to analyze expenses. Mm-hmm. Let's just take a look and see. Are there places where you could stay in what you're currently doing, and reduce some of your expenses, and start taking that chunk, and, and doing something with it? I mean, what you do with that chunk to me is totally up for de- for debate. Depends on the person. Depends on what you're into. You're gonna you're gonna build wealth by increasing income, and the way to increase income is to do one of two things: either either increase how much money that you're bringing home and keep your expenses the same, or keep what you're bringing home the same, and decrease your expenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like losing weight. I mean, it's just math. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your income's got to be higher than your out, outgoing, and, and vice versa works the other way. Um, So I'd, I'd analyze what that guy was doing. I mean, I've seen people that make, you know, $120,000 that are putting away more money than someone's making four or $500,000.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and and doing something with it, whether that's creating a side hustle, whether that's putting it in a stock market, whether that's create, you know buying real estate or doing rentals, short term, long term, doesn't you know investing in companies. So that that's the that's the, basically the first step is just to get an understanding. Of, and that was something we talked about in the ruck when we first started doing the ruck was um, when we started talking about the professional fire and what kind of elements do we need in the ruck to do that kind of thing. And um, for those of you who don't know, you know the RUC's like this thirty day program that, that that we do here and. It's, it's basically about getting all of your fires under control in a very short amount of time and just sort of this hyper-focus on all those areas. And one of the things that we were looking at was that professional fire. And the thing that I noticed about, you know, the the, the group was that the majority of the group didn't have a good understanding of where they were financially. Yeah. You know, they knew they were making good money. Yeah, okay. We got a good salary. Okay, that's good. It's, but it's kind of like focusing on revenue, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, like, what are you bringing home and, and then what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. And you know there's there's lots of levers you can pull in there about even the what are you bringing home part you know are you contributing to 401 k are you doing profit sharing or you know are you taking some deductions that you could by working at home you know just there's mm-hmm. a lot to unpack there um and and then and then it's where is it going you know what are you doing are you, you know you've got twelve hundred dollar a month car payment? well, could that be six hundred bucks? Mm-hmm. you know do you have to drive the new Tahoe mm-hmm. or can you drive a twelve year old tahoe mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so that would be the first thing I would do with with the person that feels like they're stuck is let's let's just see how stuck you really are. Mm. And the other the other side of that is cuz I've seen this with some of my other buddies that that are in sales. Well, that you know, they're good at their craft, but they're not necessarily good at converting that craft into cash. Well, to me, if you're a good salesman, you can sell anything. Mm-hmm. So now it may be a, it may be it may be time to take a look at what are you selling, and what are you earning based off what have, what what you're selling. Yep. Because to me, I've seen people that aren't very good at sales go into like medical sales and do really well. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a guy over here selling you know subscriptions to something, and he is a really good salesman, but he's just selling the wrong product. Yep, and and you know that's what I would look at, and with that guy, if, if he's doing well with his sa- you know, saving and doing mm-hmm. his expensive stuff, and and earning a good income, but he feels like he's just stuck professionally, yeah. with converting his craft to cash. It's okay. Well, how are you actually trying to convert that craft or that cash out, of, you know, from, yeah. from your craft?
0: And I think that that's kind of where I found myself, you know, in my in my late 30s, early 40s. What I had figured out that I was actually really pretty good at in terms of my craft is people development, and absolutely, I did that. I was doing that as early on in my career in in ministry, and then I was doing that, you know, in education. I was helping grow people and develop mm-hmm. them and get what they wanted. Right. Uh, I could have done that in counseling, but what I figured out is I can convert that craft into cash a whole lot more effectively. By doing executive coaching, because those people can afford to pay me, and it's more—it's more valuable to them than it is to a college student. Exactly, it's it's much much of the same gifting applied in uh, in different environments, and so I think that's one of the things. That's a perfect that, example. Yeah, when we when we look at how do we make sure uh, that you first the professional fire is first. Really get to know what you're good. What is your craft? Right, your craft is not your job. Agreed. Your craft, you know, your craft is not that you own that you operate any particular business. Your craft is in opportunity recognition, in risk analysis and you know drive and you've taken that craft and applied it across several different platforms now and i think for a a person who's out there and is maybe feeling stuck Mm -hmm. i think maybe you need to maybe it's a sitting down with somebody who can see what your gift is who can help you unpack that and then help you brainstorm where does that craft help you earn more cash uh, if you're
1: married it's a great exercise to ask your wife mm. what am i good mm-hmm. at what do you think my craft is yep i remember when, when i think it was a during the rock actually mm-hmm. when we we had to ask your spouse the questions <laughs> or like give you uh, yeah. your own rating on their your yeah, four have, fires that's, whatever that's humbling yeah that's a very humbling <laughs> exercise but it's one of those things where like if you if you were a real estate agent and you ask your wife what you're good at she's like well you're good at selling houses not Okay, we got to dig deeper there. What mm-hmm. am I actually good What makes me what am I good at that makes me good at selling am houses? Personable? Am I personable? Am I, am I good systems? at help Am I good at helping people? Yep. You know, like that opens up a, you know, much broader range of 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 opportunities to convert that craft to cash versus you're good at selling houses. Asking because someone that else,
0: same skill set, you could say, "Oh, well, I'm good at helping people identify value in a home. Mm-hmm. I can articulate for them why can't you do that with a million dollar commercial real estate? Yeah. You could, you could take that same gifting and apply it at a different level. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so I, I feel like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good something to add is to, is to basically ask someone mm-hmm. to help, to help you. Even if you just sit down with yourself and try to write down, what am I good at, you know, craft or what is my craft? Cause for me, I didn't know what my craft was for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I knew I was good at converting whatever my craft was into cash, Yep, but because to me, it's the opposite effect. You know, yeah. in some in some ways, I'm jealous of what you guys have, have done. But I got a buddy of mine that has always known he wanted to be around football. Mm-hmm. Great at developing young men. His dad was that way. He's that way. He's for, Since he was three years old, he knew he wanted to be a football coach, be around football. And it was just so – awesome to watch someone that knew what they wanted to do knew what they were good at just go and achieve those things Mm um versus me I feel like I was sort of the opposite I knew I I felt confident about the ability to convert whatever I was good at into cash Mm -hmm. but now I got to figure out what am I actually good at Mm -hmm. what is my craft um and you know we've kind of you know talked about that several occasions so I feel like you could be it's 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 neat to see both sides of that coin Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I would say, you know, if, if you're at that space in your mid-career or even in your late career and you feel stuck or, mm-hmm. or just frustrated, don't be passive in that space.
1: Like, yeah, exactly. One, one, uh, a cool exercise is to go look up some of the richest people that you know, like Warren Buffett's and all those guys, and to look to see how old they were when they made their first million dollars. Hmm. I mean, for a bunch of people it's forty five fifty sixty years old, you know, and all of a sudden then it then it just accumulates later on in life, you know yep. due to compounding interest, no matter what you're doing, whether it's investing or real estate or whatever but you know, if you're if you're forty forty five, you don't have to be thirty years old to start a company or twenty five. You know, in in fact, I feel like you might be even a little more successful because you'll be wiser, you have a lot more wisdom. The only thing that hurts people that I have seen is the other responsibilities that they have acquired in that time, whether it's kids, whether it's houses, whether it's car payments, lifestyles. Whatever it is, that hurdle is a little bit harder to overcome and, uh, and allocate as much time or as much income or capital that you need to be successful, whereas early on, I feel like it's yes. it's the opposite. You don't have the capital, but you have all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. There's there's still some lessons to learn if you're going to step out in your 40s. You, maybe you're a little more rooted in some of your ways. That, right. Uh, yep. Maybe oh, a little, absolutely. A little more employee mentality than owner mentality that you got to overcome, but I think it's important early in your career, if I'm synthesizing what you just said, early in your career, you're still trying to figure out what your craft is. Mm -hmm. Try lots of things. Try lots of things. Later in your career, you should be able to, if you ask people and you look back on your experiences and where you were really, really good, you should be able to identify some places that you might be able to even articulate, what is my craft? And then ask the question: Is this application of my craft the highest and best use of my time? time. Mm-hmm. Love that. And and there might be a two or three year path that you have to you have to work to one foot on one lily pad, one foot on the other, uh, or you might just be able to make a jump. These are also great conversations to have in the professional fire section of the Four Fires Tribe community. There's a lot of smart people there. Uh, there's a lot of
1: there's people. a lot of wisdom in there for sure a lot of experience.
0: experience. so if that's if that's you if you find yourself in this space in life where you're wondering uh, whether it's early in your career or later in your career, you know reach out. this is a community of, of people who want to help all of us win in all four areas. Justin I, I appreciate your thoughts on this. I've gotten a lot out of just thinking about wealth creation instead of, just revenue generation, I think it encourages me to practice delayed gratification a little bit more, uh, even as I grow my own business, uh, making sure I like that visual that you gave us about making sure that your income is growing at a higher proportion than your expenses. And if I'm really being honest, like, you got to look at those numbers, you got to be able to quantify that. Right. Right it's important to know their numbers. You know, it's the same way if you ask how ma- most people, how many calories yep. did you eat yesterday? Well,
1: it's like what you always tell me is you can't manage what, what you can't, can't measure. measure. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And so having those real numbers in front of you, if you don't have a, me- a system for measuring that, you're yep. probably not going to win in that space. That's your first step. Thanks for joining us today. That was a great conversation. I hope that is applicable. Uh, Four Fires Tribe, if you are out there, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is application. If you heard something today that you thought, huh, that's a good idea, pause, do something, and apply it. Whether that's you make a phone call to a friend that's going to help you unpack your craft, whether that's you join the tribe and post a question in there, do something that takes action on whatever thought you're having right now. Uh, Move it into action. At the end of the day that's the thing that's going to make the difference in the long term. So Go live intentionally.